Hello, friends. I'm Luke, and I serve on the music team at Holy Family. We continue to hear stories from people like you who listen to the Holy Family podcast and consider Holy Family your church. And whether you're someone who's constantly on the go, hasn't found a church community where you live to which you can belong, or someone who's wondering about the shape of your faith, we are honored to be with you by sharing these reflections from our Sunday liturgies. We rely on the generosity of our congregation, which includes you wherever you listen, to help our ministry achieve and maintain financial health. If this podcast has been a gift to you, would you consider making a contribution so that we can continue offering resources that welcome questions, curiosities, and doubts? You can make a gift by following the link in our show notes. That's at holyfamilyhtx.org. From Holy Family HTX, an Episcopal church for people without a church, this is the Holy Family Podcast, a collection of ideas about leading a Jesus-centered life. We clearly explore the church's understandings while bringing our own questions, curiosities, and doubts, and we never demand fake agreement. Theological exploration is just better that way. So, let's take a moment of silence as we get ready to contemplate today's ideas. So last week was the Feast of the Ascension, and that was the feast day for all of us who are more acquainted with God's absence than God's presence. And if you recall, we noted that the crucial theological insight about the Ascension was that if Jesus is in heaven and we are on earth, then the body of Christ on earth is as it is in heaven, which is to say that you, Holy Family, You are the body of Christ. The ascension is not about Jesus retiring from ministry. It is about him extending his ministry through you. And while I still don't want to overplay our agency in this because we are not God, I very much want to affirm that Jesus Christ works outside of the church as well, and that's a good thing. Yet, it remains important for me to tell you that there really are a whole lot of people that might not ever lay eyes on Jesus Christ, but they will see you, and you and I will tell them a whole lot about who this God is. In other words, our opportunity is to make sure that the body of Christ that people see on earth looks a whole lot like the body of Christ that is in heaven. And we do that by centering our whole lives, by centering this community on Jesus Christ. Part of the problem that the church has on its hands today, and there are a number, is that people have heard enough about Jesus and they're not dumb. And so they can see the very glaring discrepancies between the body of Christ in heaven and the body of Christ on earth. Yeah, God's the one that has to work in us, but we've got to put some work into that as well and making sure that we are living and preaching in a way that actually 
demonstrates the loving, liberating, life-giving God we say is behind all this. Which brings us to today. Every time you come in here, that painting on that wall will tell you, will signal to you what time it is in the church here. Lanicia Rouse Tinsley has offered these paintings as reflections upon different seasons in the life of the church. This is a painting telling us that it is Pentecost. Now you can even hear it in the name Pentecost. It's like 50 days after Easter, yeah? This is the day that God's Spirit joins. That's really what Pentecost is about. God's Spirit joining all flesh. This has always been a radically difficult day for the church to embrace. And that is because without our permission, the living God has once again taken initiative to join us together intimately with other people. And we didn't ask for that. But that's Pentecost. Jesus ascends and the Spirit descends, as the text says, on all flesh. Everybody. And we all get joined together into now one body. Not that we act like it. It's frankly sometimes easier for me to live as if I'm a part of this thing and others are not. Sometimes that's a move Christians like to make, especially when other Christians act silly. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm an Episcopalian. Like, come on. But those people, huh. Well, it doesn't work that way. Sorry, that's not Pentecost. Or just other people, I mean, in this state, in this country, there's times where you want to go, now that's not me. I don't have anything to do with that. I get that impulse. And Pentecost says, sorry, I thought you were into inclusion. And until you want everybody, you're not ready to play with God. How dare God do this? I prefer being, I don't know about you, but I just prefer to be around people who kind of basically see the world like I do, who vote like I do and basically accept the same moral vision that I do. And it's really nice to be able to have some other people that we can use as our enemy. I mean, I don't well, I actually want to be around them, but to talk about them and to lift them up as the other moronic enemies can really be advantageous sometimes in the way you make it through this world. And here comes God, a living God, doing something like this. Pouring out the Holy Spirit on everybody to make one new body. A new community that, interestingly, in the text that W read, did not erase anyone's particularities. But it erases the idea that we can exist without one another. The Hebrew prophet Joel looked forward to the day when God would wash away all of the tools and binaries and identities that we use to divide. Uh, Duke University professor Anathea Portier-Young's work has really opened up this story for me. She describes this linguistic concept that I had never heard of before called merism. M-E-R-I-S-M. Merism. She says, merisms are when you name ends to describe everything in between. 
For example, uh, you lose your phone and you say, I've searched high and low for my keys. Now, that doesn't mean that you only searched up top and down below. It means you searched everywhere. Or, you know, we've got a wedding coming up soon. And a couple is going to stand right here at this altar. And we're going to say, they're going to say, I'm going to be with you in sickness and health. And everything in between. For richer or poorer. And everything in between. And the whole point is that you use these two ends linguistically to mean everything and everyone in between. Well, the prophet Joel that was read in Dovey's text from Acts describes a bunch of merisms. The Holy Spirit in this text, it says, was given to sons and daughters and everyone in between. The Spirit is given to young and old and everyone in between. The Spirit is given to enslaved persons and persons who are free and everyone in between. The Spirit is given to Jews and Gentiles and everyone in between. Fifty days after Easter, God has one last resurrection miracle up God's sleeve. And God does not wait around for bigoted and judgmental hearts to suddenly see the change that they've been needing to make. God forces a joining and says, I'm going to make a unity and you're going to have to figure out how to live in it. God didn't give out the Spirit because God was so impressed with our desire to be with people unlike us. No, God started with a joining and said, now that I've joined you, work it out. Now, God joins us together by overshadowing them with the Holy Spirit, as the text says. Now, that's weird. When you think about all the verbs that God can do, overshadows a bizarre one. What does that mean? Well, I think this is why if, you, if this is the point in the sermon where you're done and you're ready to Google things, Google the Pentecost icons because it will show you Mother Mary sitting at the center of every Pentecost icon. Why? Of all the ones gathered in the upper room, she is there. It's named in the text. She is the one, the only one, who knows what it is for God to overshadow. It's the exact same verb that was used when Jesus took up residence in Mary. So once again, overshadowing occurs and God's presence takes up residence in a body. Do you get it? Mary is the one who has already experienced what the church is about to experience this day. The Spirit is going to overshadow, and Christ will be born in us anew. Dr. Willie Jennings, professor of Africana Studies at Yale University, says that, quote, followers of Jesus are now being connected in a way that joins them to people in the post-intimate space of voice, memory, sound, body, land, and place like an artist drawing on all of her talent to express a new way to live, Dr. Jennings says that God gestures the deepest joining possible. All of us, one flesh with God. So, like it or not, part of living a Jesus-centered life means learning to accept that God has joined you with some other people. And some of them, you'd really not like to be joined together with. 
And the Pentecost story describes that the Holy Spirit is the great joiner in three principal ways. Here's the first way. The text says that the Spirit rushed in like wind. Have you ever truly been caught by a stout wind? It's shocking how strong that can be. And if the Spirit shows up to join us like the wind, I think this means that the Spirit is not under our control. Because for all the things that we can control in this life, we're not really channeling or controlling wind. Not really. And this is a challenge for people like you and me because we so often want to be in control. We want to control not only ourselves, but others in God's name which betrays our ultimate desire. We really like to be in control even of God. And there has been a strong resistance to the Spirit's joining with the hundreds of years in this country of trying to keep, you know, lots of people under control, particularly in this country, trying to keep black people under control, if not ultimately in death. White Christian slavers have enslaved millions of Africans to build their wealth to racial terror lynching to Jim Crow du jour and de facto segregation, to the deep presumption that black people are dangerous. I mean, these ideas have shaped the racial architecture of American criminal justice systems. And then the Holy Spirit on Pentecost rushes in and says, why are you resisting the work that I'm doing with this wretched, evil. On Pentecost, the Spirit pushes us into new ways of being where we actually have to swear off controlling other people. Which raises a question for you and me. Are you willing to be joined with someone that you can't control? If you want to control other people, Pentecost is not your day. Here's the second way that the Spirit shows up to join us. It says the Spirit is poured like water. We're going to pour water in a minute for baptism. The Spirit pours out like rain. Now, you and I might be able to predict via our phones when it's going to rain, uh, but we're never, able, we're never going to be able to like, make it rain. And this challenges our demands for instant gratification, satisfaction, and ultimately compliance. Working with the Spirit means you have to surrender your control of timelines. Now, for some of you, that's no big deal. For others of us, to yield the control of timelines and how things work out, that can be very frustrating. Furthermore, we are never the ones who are going to be in control of God's timing. I mean, I wonder how often you and I have perceived God's, not now, as a absolutely not, never. My friends, when you and I pray, those are not incantations meant to ensure that the Trinity adopts your project's timeline. Which raises another question for you and for me. Are you willing to be joined with someone who will do things on their own time? Or are you always going to be frustrated with God that God just does things in God's own good time? 
Here's the third and final way that the Spirit shows up. The Spirit comes as a fire, like sitting on top of that pastel candle. Fire gives light, but fire can also warm. It can bake bread, but it can also burn. The prophet Jeremiah says that God is a consuming fire. Too often we in American Christianity assault fire images in the Bible as something bad, but almost always it's talking about God's presence. Easter is about God coming down on us. And all I know how to say is, it's up to you to decide if God coming down is good news or bad news. Right? You ever gotten a text from an ex or a manager or a spouse or a parent that says, I'm coming over? If your first thought is, oh boy, uh, well, it's kind of up to you to decide if it's good news or bad news when they're coming over, right? You can either receive that as a blessing or a burden. I think it's basically the same way with God. God's going to make good on God's promises. God's coming to be with you. Deal with it. You can decide if that's a happy visit or a not so happy visit. It is ultimately for our good because God's fire will illuminate our paths. But it also is going to be bad for each of us. Because God's fire will also burn away the parts of our common life that are not ready to be joined to God. And here's the reality about my life and as your pastor, uh, yours. There are parts of each of our lives that I'm not ready. There's part of my life that I'm not ready to like let God have yet. And I know that's the same for you too. And there's a part of this church that we're not ready to really let God just have God's way with yet. And that's fine until God just gets real close. So, you know, you're playing with fire here. So do as you want. Richard Balcom says, stop thinking that loving God is a pain-free activity. Which raises a final question. Are you really willing to be joined with someone even if, even if it might require something from you? And that's hard for consumers like us because at this point in this country, we basically all show up as consumers to everything, especially church, even to God. I'm here to consume. That's kind of the canvas that everything gets painted on. And these Pentecost questions are not questions that are directed to you and me like a test, okay? I'm not trying to get you to pass the test. The whole point is that all of these questions that have been raised by Pentecost, they've already been answered in Jesus. This is the crucial theological insight that we miss too much. Too much preaching turns into do-betterism. Here's three ways to make your life better. And God, you know, be ticked at you less. Do those. That's not the point. The point is that Jesus Christ has already answered these questions, and we are participating in his yes. Jesus Christ is God's way of joining you without controlling you. Therefore, you are now free to join others without controlling them. Jesus Christ is God's way of joining you even if you do things on a different timetable. Therefore, you are free to draw on extreme patience with all of the people that God has joined you with. Because in Jesus Christ, we've been given all the time we need. 
Jesus Christ is God's way of joining you even if it requires something from you. Which means you are now free to join others without demanding that they serve you. Instead, you can show up to bless them. Now, the Pentecost story ends with baptisms, and that is appropriate because baptism is all about being joined to Jesus Christ. Baptism is a way of dying to the old ways of life and a new birth into a new way of being human. As I've said to you before, I say to you again, my hope is that your baptismal identity will one day become more determinative than your political party affiliation. A Jesus-centered life is being baptized into a kind of being human that, yes, it is anti-violence, and yes, it is anti-racist, but in a way that demands that you be consistent and proactive and lifelong with it. Otherwise, your anti-violence and your anti-racism are going to operate episodically, and you will be inconsistent and sporadic and simply reactive, and honestly, you'll basically just hop on your social media to show us that you're on the right side of history, and you might feel good about yourself, but baptism is asking for something way more of you than that. Like when nobody else is paying attention, are you actually about lifting others up? When no one is paying attention to you, are you actually working in nonviolent and non-racist ways? Or is that just like something you need us to see you do every once in a while? Because there's a really big difference. The church is not here to help you become a better Republican or Democrat. There will be times when political parties will think that we can be helpful to them. Okay, but we're not here to be a tool in their toolbox. God is asking you to be more human. And part of the reason that we Christians have not yet learned how to repent of both violence and racism is frankly because we have stopped making a difference between our identity as Christians baptized into the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and the way that we vote. And they're just not the same thing. But we can't really diagnose that anymore because we've lumped them together. So in other words, Pentecost is the day that I hope that you learn how to be a Christian in America rather than being an American Christian. And if you don't know that difference, there are people who have always known that difference. And you can learn from them. So if you've not been baptized into Jesus' life, death, and resurrection yet, we're going to baptize Xander and Isaac into that right now. And as Bishop Hector has inspired us, we'll just leave it open. So if anybody wants to get baptized into that today, we'll do that for you today too. Baptism is a participation in this joining. It is getting on board with God's bringing us together, rejecting evil, resisting injustice, saying no to oppression in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what this 50 days of Easter has been all about. Easter means that God has joined you with Jesus and with everybody else. So, are you really ready to be joined with those others that God has joined with you? We shall see. find more resources to help you lead a Jesus-centered life at holyfamilyhtx.org. Again, it's holyfamilyhtx.org.